Hello, I'm Arianna Raji Lee, founder of Pasha Mama, and welcome to our podcast, In Conversation, where I chat to health practitioners, baby and toddler experts, mamas and mums-to-be, to find out what they do and how their story can help you through modern motherhood. If you're loving what you're listening to, don't forget to hit that subscribe button and leave us a review. A little love goes a long way. Hey guys, I am so excited to be back behind the microphone and bringing season three of Passion Mama in conversation to your eardrums. Oh, it feels so good. And I've got such a wonderful array of experts lined up for this season. I'm really, really excited. And for me personally, I think it's going to be going to have a slightly, a slightly different approach given that I am now a first time mother and asking a lot of these questions from a different standpoint to the previous two seasons when um, I wasn't yet pregnant. This first episode is with Adam Shaw, who is the founder of At Dad's Table. He is a leaf-trained chef and author of the recipe book, How to Grow Your Family. And we talk about how Adam is on a mission to really support parents through food and overhaul the way we look and think about food during pregnancy, early parenthood and early childhood. He says that there's a lot of negative talk around food, which I think I completely agree with, whether you're pregnant or not. I definitely think that um, the language around food has to change. And he also mentions that language around how we speak to our children or describe our children as eaters is really, really important. So he wants to move away from the term fussy eaters and more to promoting confident eaters, which I absolutely love. The episode is full of neat snack hacks to help support you or perhaps a friend who is pregnant, um, also during early parenthood and during that weaning stage. So wherever you are throughout your journey, there will definitely be something in here for you. So not much left for me to say other than don't forget to subscribe. If you're loving this content, make sure that you hit that subscribe button so you get the most recent episodes downloaded to your phone. Otherwise, sit back, relax and enjoy the first of season three. Adam, it is a pleasure to be talking to you. How are you today? Thank you, Ariana. I'm good. How are you? Yeah, I'm really, really well, thank you. I'm really excited to be talking to you, uh, just to kind of be behind, back, back to the back behind the microphone um, for this kind of new season, and really delighted that uh, we can talk about kind of food and family and all of the things that that you do. Why don't you? Why don't we start with uh, the the basics? Why don't you tell us a little bit about at Dad's Table? Sure. So um, I'm a I'm a Leeds trained chef. Um, and I, I trained um, a few years ago, um, and as I graduated from um, uh, the, the chef school, my wife was pregnant for the first time, um, and I was really looking forward to, you know, creating lots of really interesting foods for her to, to nourish her and nourish baby during her pregnancy. Um, but then when I started researching um, all of the current advice out there around pregnancy um, and about what you should eat, um, I just found it quite negative. Um, I found it quite, you know, don't do this, don't do that, don't eat shark. I live in Kent, there's not much shark around here. Um, there was all about, you know, eat lots of vegetables when in the first trimester you don't really want to be eating vegetables. So from an, from an early stage, it kind of felt like we were both failing um, before we'd even really started becoming parents. 
um, which didn't feel right. So I, I started um, doing my own research and creating trimester specific recipes for her that focused kind of on the good stuff, you know, focus on the positive food angle. Um, and then since then, you know, we, we've gone on to have um, two lovely boys. We've got a third boy due any day now. Um, and I've written a book, uh, which is called How to Grow Your Family. Um, and it takes you from pregnancy through to kind of new parenthood um, and kind of one dish at a time. And it focuses on, on really, you know, good foods that you should be eating um, during the fourth trimester and weaning and, and, and so on. Um, and I also, I've started stuff at Dad's Table where I've got about 50,000 followers. Um, and I just really, um, I think what struck a nerve is that I, I just like to focus on food that makes you feel good. But, you know, food is meant to be fun. It's meant to be happy. Um, and at this early stage of life, you know, when we're all exhausted parents, there's so many people telling us what we should do and what we shouldn't do. I kind of wanted just to focus on the fun part. Yeah, that is that is amazing. I love that. But um, I think it's quite telling that you said that you felt like you were failing from the beginning, from the get go, which. Yeah. Um, is so true around not only nutrition I also found during my pregnancy but um, kind of exercise and everything else that kind of goes along with it and I think that definitely you're so right there definitely needs to be some sort of I guess overhaul in in the language that, we, that we're using and, and the kind of spin on on looking at the positive fun side of things um, yeah yeah which which is which is so which is so true and so you you've mentioned what the book covers and you know in terms of the kind of fourth trimester and weaning and, and, and we will get into those but to start with you did touch on um you know eating lots of vegetables which is very very difficult to do in your first trimester so yeah. a lot of the passion mama community myself included are pretty health conscious individuals um you know me personally i know what is good for me i know what will make me feel good i know what will fuel my body in in a kind of really healthy uh, organic way but even myself during that first trimester in particular, it was really sort of, I really struggled with nausea. I also had antenatal depression and all I wanted to do, it, I really felt like it was like, I had to do anything I could just to survive and get through week by week. And the mm -hmm. last thing I wanted were vegetables. <laughs> I remember once I ordered a pizza and I don't eat pizza. I don't like pizza normally. It's not that I don't like it, it's just not, never my, dish of choice and I remember ordering it and I thought I better add rocket to it so that I get a little bit of green and mm -hmm. it arrived and I ended up just picking the rocket off because <laughs> it actually tasted the rocket tasted so bad to me which is odd because I bloody love salad and yeah, vegetables yeah. so so my question is I guess how can women particularly during that first trimester when you're feeling sick and you just want all of the carbs how do you balance that out what are your kind of tips for eating well during that first that first phase so there, there's there's a couple of things to, to delve into there um so i think first of all um the whole you know advice around pregnancy it, it doesn't tend to take into the fact that throughout nine months and nine months is a hell of a long time you're going to feel different you know you're going to feel you're going to have this nausea, you're going to reject vegetables in the first trimester. Quite normally, you know, when you get to the second trimester, you're going to want to eat them again. Um, and by the third trimester, you know, you're really kind of focusing on, on energy, but, but your appetite is a little less because your stomach has been shrunk by baby growing. So, so there's nothing that really tells you this is what you should be eating at different times throughout your pregnancy. So of course you shouldn't be eating, you, you're not going to feel like, you know, munching on kale crisps in the first trimester. Um, but, it, but it's the knowledge that as your pregnancy progresses, you might well feel like that um, further on. So I think the first thing to say 
is as you know your body and, and as any of your listeners um, presumably do as well, the most important person to listen to is yourself. So if your body is telling you, I don't want to be eating this, then don't eat it. Um, and, and I will paraphrase this by saying, you know, as long as everyone is having multivitamins and it isn't going against any kind of medical advice, but in that first trimester, and I'll say this very clearly, if you don't eat fruit and vegetables, it does not matter one bit. Um, you have to, as you say, survive. So, so you talked about pizza. Um, it was really interesting in my wife's first trimester, um, she didn't get morning sickness, but she, she went completely off greens. Um, avocado is her favorite thing in the world. She couldn't touch it, couldn't even look at it for 12 weeks. And one day she, I was working in London and she went out on her own to Pizza Express. And, she, um, and I came home and, and I asked her how her day was and she just burst into tears. And she told me that she went to Pizza Express and she ordered herself a margarita pizza and a garlic bread. So effectively two pizzas. I was incredibly jealous. She, <laughs> it, she burst into tears saying, I didn't have any vegetables. My baby's gonna grow up to be stupid. And, and it's, it, it's this kind of information <laughs> and this thought that you've got to be eating greens all the time. You don't, you know, the, the first trimester is as you say, a time to survive. And if you're not feeling like greens, then don't eat them. If, however, to get onto your second point, you are looking at ways to, to improve your nutrition when you're really not feeling like anything, eating anything that isn't beige pasta, there are a few things you can do. So if, um, if you can try and swap out, you know, white pasta for brown, um, multigrain pasta, the same with rice, the same with bread. So any, any kind of white carbs, if you can swap them out and have, you know, whole grain instead, um, instead of potato, go for sweet potato. Again, if you can, if you can't, no biggie. Um, when you're looking at trying to get some greens in, um, even something like pesto, you know, you can make your own pesto at home. It's something I do a lot of. A bag of spinach blended up with some nuts and some cheese. It's very easy just to stir. Excuse me. It's very easy to stir into some greens. Um, so, so there are kind of little things, you know, um, hiding some vegetables in stir fries, um, hiding some chopped up vegetables in scrambled eggs. Um, or maybe, you know, having a smoothie if you can. So it, it's just about thinking, you know, what are the little things I could do that I can stomach that, that makes me feel better? You know, adding a handful of rocket to, you know, some scrambled eggs that you've just made. But, but again, and I can't stress this enough, it, it, people shouldn't be listening to me or, or listening to you. The first person they should listen to is their body. And if your body is saying, I just want to survive and eat nothing but chicken nuggets and mac and cheese, then do that with the confidence that as your pregnancy progresses, your cravings and your appetite will change as well. Oh, Adam, I wish we'd spoken when I was in the thick <laughs> of it because it would have made me feel so much better. I mean, yeah, I, I was right there with your wife, I think, um, in terms of just ordering essentially two pizzas, yeah. a side of nachos and a, you know, a side of mac and cheese. It was just, it was just all, all the things. And it, it, you're right, it is, it is you, you have to kind of do what your body is telling you. And but these little hacks that you've mentioned in terms of if you can, as you say, change the potato to a sweet potato or white rice to brown, um, really, really helpful. Um, do you have similar hacks for once the baby is here and you are in the thick of newborn life, even you know through the, through the fourth trimester and now early parenthood, in yeah. terms of finding time to fuel yourself in a way that is 
sustainable for a new parent, particularly a new mum who, you know, <laughs> sometimes can barely pee in peace, let alone make herself a, a salad or a sandwich yeah, or something. Yeah. So, so there, there's there's a few things you can do, um, and and if if anyone is listening to this um, in their third trimester or you know it, it's getting towards their third trimester, um, I cannot stress how how much your fourth trimester self will love your third trimester self if you can start putting some food in the freezer now, um, and and that that's a, a big thing that that we've done um, during each pregnancy is taking the time. Um, to batch cook now when, when you, you know you're not trying to feed when you don't have kids around you um, and, and line your freezer with you know seven eight nine ten whatever meals that you can crack out in that fourth trimester um, because in the, in the fourth trimester there's, there's I, I kind of split it into two that fourth trimester normally in the evening when you're both around um, both of you are exhausted whether one of you is working one of you is looking after baby you know and, and you're both probably up all night you're both exhausted and you both need high energy foods. So if you can get a load of um, high energy foods, and, and by that, I mean foods that have lots of lentils, that have lots of pulses, lots of sweet potato. If you eat meat, lots of, you know, iron rich meat, lots of fish. Um, so if you can get some stews, some casseroles, some chili con carne, some spaghetti bolognese, um, some, you know, pies, some risotto, all of that stuff. If you can just make it for yourself and then make double now, put it in the freezer so that when you're in the fourth trimester, you can just put it in the microwave and five minutes later, you both have a hot meal. That will really get you going. Um, and, and as I said, your fourth trimester self will really thank your third trimester self. Because if you rely on takeaway, if you rely on delivery, you're hurting your pocket and you're just gonna be eating food that, that doesn't make you feel good. So that, that's the first thing I would say. Um, second thing is, um, you know, after you know, each time, I've only had two weeks paternity leave. Um, so I've gone back to work quite quickly. And my wife has been at home, you know, all day long. Um, if you can, um, if one of you is leaving the house or one of you is working, if you can get into the habit of making a breakfast and leaving it on the side um, for, so when your partner wakes up, they have that breakfast um, and put it in a wrap. So scrambled eggs, um, bit of sausage, bit of bacon, whatever. Um, I'd put that in a little breakfast wrap, roll it up and just leave it on the side so that when my wife is getting up and she's holding a baby, she's got a one-handed snack. You know, both, both my kids and I'm presuming my third, whenever he decides to come, we couldn't put them down for the first three, four months. So they were just on us 24 seven. So um, one-handed snacks to get you throughout the day. So, you know, we talked about breakfast. Um, we, you know, we can make some, um, if, again, if, if kind of you and your partner can take some time on a Sunday when baby's napping, just spend an hour and make, you know, make some hummus, um, blitz up, you know, some cannellini beans and some peas, um, roast some vegetables, um, boil some eggs, um, make some pesto, roast some vegetables. It all sounds like a lot, but but what we would do on each Sunday is just do that so that and, and chuck it in Tupperware so that during the week my wife could open the fridge and very, very quickly there's a pick and mix lunch. You know, so what did I say, baby bells, olives. Um, cut up some carrots and cucumber, you know, make or buy some hummus, um, chop up some chicken breast, have some prawns, roast some vegetables, make some pesto, boil some pasta, all that sort of stuff. If you can do a couple of those, then when one of you goes back to work on a Monday, you've got that fridge full that will get you going, keep, keep you going um, for those next few days. And I found that to be really, really useful as well. God, I, I, I really love that. I love those kind of one-handed uh, 
snack hacks especially yeah. that breakfast that breakfast burrito that you leave your wife's yeah. absolutely delicious these ideas and stuff Adam that you're mentioning assuming they're all in your book yeah they're, they're, they're all in yeah. the book um and, and I think it, it's also important to say that you know we, I, I'm, I very much practice what I preach and mm. um by no way were were we at three o'clock in the morning munching on vegetable crisps you know we also <laughs> had you know um my, my wife um, exclusively breastfed both, both our children, so I've, I've never kind of got up to do the feed or whatever, but I was always up mm. and, and, and helping. And, and also when you're breastfeeding, you know, you're, you're using so much energy, you're producing so much calcium, which you need to replace. Um, interestingly, that, that there's nothing that has been proven to stimulate breastfeeding. There's no foods that, that help stimulate breastfeeding. So whenever you read about it, if anyone says that this is what happens, it, it's wrong, it's a con. But what you can do is obviously eat foods that replace calcium. So, you know, when I'd, I'd wake my wife up at one or two to do, to do the feed and there'd always be a hobnob and a baby bell and a hot chocolate um, or some chocolate mousse or something like that, which is, you know, going to be a bit of a treat for yourself as well. So that it makes it a lot easier to get up in the middle of the night and feed that baby when you do have this, this kind of treat in front of you of, you know, some cheese, some chocolate, some milk, um, and that just gets you through as well. So as much as I'm talking about kind of the healthy stuff to, to, to nourish your body during the day, it's very important to think, yes, I still want to have the occasional takeaway or yes, I still want to, you know, binge on, on, on this in the evening. I mean, my, my wife is, she's a huge tiramisu fan. Um, and both times, I think in our, um, in the first few weeks, she said, just, just make me a tray of tiramisu and leave me alone. And it's like, yep, there you go. <laughs> so it's, it's important to kind of have those, those little rewards as well. Definitely. I mean, women after my own heart, avocados and tiramisu, definitely right <laughs> up my street. Um, so Adam, you mentioned that, you know, on a Saturday, uh, sorry, on a Sunday or at the end of the week, you typically kind of like, you know, set your week up to, you know, set your fridge up to to last uh, your wife the, and yourself the full week so that, you know, she can go in and there's just stuff that, you know, that is easy to grab and, um you know, is nourishing for her and can kind of sustain, sustain her through, you know, or sustain you both or, you know, your, your whole family. Um, mm -hmm. So how do you guys approach mealtime as a family, you know, with your two, I'm oh, sorry, is it two boys you have at the moment? Yeah, two, two boys, four yeah. and two. How much do you involve them in, you know, your, your, your cooking life, your, your approach to mealtimes? Yeah. So um, I, I involve them a lot. Um, and, and, and another one of them, um, as well as banging on about, you know, eating well in pregnancy and changing the narrative, my, my second big bugbear is um, around the phrase fussy eaters, so that you, you'll find a lot of people saying, you know, my, my kids are fussy eaters, I don't know what to do, I don't know, I want to, you know, get them to eat, whatever. Um, I, I, I cannot believe that this early on in a child's life, um, we call them something negative. Um, and, and I think food and potentially sleep are the only two things that a parent will actually say their child is, is, is good or bad at this early on. And, and that's something that I'm really trying to change the narrative on. So instead of using the phrase fussy eaters, I try to talk about confidence. Um, my, my firstborn is what some people may define or, or used to be um, a fussy eater. But for him, it was all about confidence. So if, you know, we just brought him in cold from what he was doing, put down a plate of food in front of him and said, eat, he's not going to eat it. If we talked about transition, if we built up to it, if we allowed him to be involved with food preparation, if um, he saw that meal time 
as an extra developmentary sensory experience and something to play with and everyone is happy, he's much more likely to eat that food. So instead of talking about fussy eating, I talk about how we can give confidence to children because I see that as our, our primary role as parents, right? Our, my second born eats everything. He is what people would call a good eater. I don't call him a good eater because you know he's a lockdown baby. He never really had a pacifier, never really sucked his fingers, but eats well. He takes comfort in food. Maybe he'll be obese. Maybe he'll have an eating disorder in the future. I have no idea. So I think it's very, very important to, to when, when you're talking about food with your kids, to, to not get sucked into the, are they good at this? Are they bad at this? And think of it from their perspective. And, and the analogy I always use when, when people get very, very you know, frustrated with their kids, not eating something, or not trying something, is if you were to take your child to a sports class at the weekend and they weren't very good at it, would you give up immediately? Would you just, would you shout at them? Would you take them out of it and never go back again? Or would you build up their confidence? Would you spend a few days leading up to the sports class talking about it? When you got there, would you build them up? Would you do some things with them? Would you be completely fine if they did one thing but didn't want to do something else or if they got nervous or if they got scared? And would you keep going back and building that confidence and enabling them to get better at something and learn this new skill? Eating is a skill just as everything else is. And it's something that it's our job to teach them. And, and, and we have to have that kind of calm inner confidence when we're teaching them and try not to get worked up and try not to get stressed. And, you know, we all do it. We, we all get stressed, especially kind of when kids get to that kind of two, three-year-old where they've moved on from weaning and they're beginning to have a bit more understanding about what they want to eat and what they like and what they don't like. Um, but if you can kind of always just repeat that mantra of my kid isn't a fussy eater, he just doesn't have that confidence. And it's my duty to help him with that confidence. That's really, really going to help you. Um, in terms of involving them, um, that there's, there's a lot that you can do. So um, I, I go food shopping, not all the time, obviously, um, but I go food shopping with my kids and give them the authority to choose something, you know, kind of within reason. If, you know, if you're choosing some tortellini, for example, do you want spinach flavor tortellini or do you want cheese flavor tortellini? Um, what we've been doing a lot of recently is, you know, go to a garden center and get some herbs. Um, plant them outside um, there's a lot of um, kind of a, when, when they hit around three they can start using a lot of kid-friendly utensils so my kid my, my eldest will you know chop up a courgette he, he's used to cracking eggs and mixing all of that so we'll make pancakes together or french toast together um, and my youngest um, who's two he's just about getting to that stage where he can actually do something um, but previously I just sit him on the counter next to me and as I'm making the food you know, he'll, he'll peel an onion, he'll peel some garlic, you know, again, it, it's that extra sensory um, playing with stuff. And, you know, he'll, he'll take a bite of raw garlic and he'll spit it out, but it doesn't matter because he's trying it. So if you can kind of see food as not something that you've got to get done whilst your kid is playing, but something that you can involve them with and as a bonding experience, then you're going to take that pressure out of mealtimes and it's going to be a lot easier. Wow, Adam, there was so much there that you said, which was just so incredible. I mean, my next question to you was, have you got any advice for fussy eaters? So I will change <laughs> my narrative and language. Uh, it, it, you know, I love that you talk about confidence around food and eating. And as you say, I've never really heard of, um, you know, 
eating as a skill in the same way as you know breastfeeding is also a skill particularly for a first-time mother or yeah. teaching your child how to set and to sleep you know these are things that we have to we have to uh, you know approach with a learned mindset and I really really love that and I do think you're right in terms of it is the language in which we speak to our children you know I've as a parent now, I've become really conscious about how I say things, even in front of Phoenix now, my son, who is almost yeah. five months. Um, you know, he's far too young to understand, but I, I need to get into that mindset of, of making sure that the language that I use is, is one that I feel appropriate, particularly, I think, when it comes to food and diet culture. You know, I, I grew up in a family that, you know, <laughs> was like, you know a family of dieters everyone was either doing weight watchers or slim fast and it mm. was just that kind of era uh, so I'm very conscious about how I talk about my body and how I talk about the food that I'm eating in front of my son but also I think as a learning curve for myself what yeah, that, are yeah sorry I, I was gonna say I, I completely agree uh, and I will also say that to anyone listening we all have days where we, everything we've said goes completely out the window um, yeah. <laughs> and, and we all have days where we get frustrated and we we shout and then we regret shouting. And I also want to say that I have just as much fish fingers and frozen pizza in my freezer as the next person. Um, and I use it as and as and when we want to. And I feel absolutely no guilt about it either. So it, it's so important that, you know, not everyone has the time to cook. Um, not everyone wants to cook. And, and there are people that also... Um, just need a bit of space and, and will plop, plop their kids down in front of the TV whilst they make dinner so they can have some time to themselves. And there is zero, there, there's nothing wrong with that. As with everything in parenting, and as I'm sure you're finding, Ariana, the, the, the most important person to listen to is yourself. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and so, I, I, you know, you've touched on kind of approaches to food and, and I do want to get on to kind of weaning in a second because that is mm -hmm. a, a section that is the next milestone that my husband and I are going to come across anyway. But before that, I wanted to ask, you know what else you know I've you know I touched on on sort of you we've touched on language what what are some of the I guess important messages around nutrition and health that around food that you want to sort of impart on your kids and how are you doing that and how are you doing that um I, I think understanding where food comes from understanding the the effort um it makes it's required to, to grow it, to cook it, um, to, you know, dispose of it. So we're, we're getting onto the fact that, you know, I'm not going to, I don't force my child to finish the plate and everything, but we're getting to the stage where he can start taking his own portions. So if I make a big bowl of pasta and meatballs, for example, he's got his own tongs and he'll take out what he wants and, and put it on the plate. And the rule is, you know, you need to pretty much finish everything that's on your plate. So kind of food wastage is something, especially now with the cost of living, that I'm really, really quite, quite strict on. Um, so I want him to, to understand that sort of messaging. Um, there's also, you know, discussions around food that, that give you energy. So, you know, my, my, my eldest, sometimes at, at nursery, he gets so excited, he forgets to have lunch, um, which, is, which is adorable, but he comes home an absolute wreck. So... You know, we always talk about the analogy of, you know, you, you come with me to the petrol station when daddy needs to fill up his car. You know, you're exactly the same. You know, you need to put fuel in you. So, so seeing food as fuel and giving it and giving you the energy to do X, Y, Z is, is something that's important. 
Um, and then also just, just a really, really um, easy rule of thumb is that normally with fruit and vegetables, the brighter they are, the better they are for you. So, you know, let's go and pick out a really shiny red pepper from the supermarket, chop it up because it's going to give, you know, it's going to give us superhero powers and all that sort of stuff. So again, you know, you're, you're using it as, as, as play, but you're trying to impart these really important messages as well around food wastage and, and how food does make you feel good and, and kind of empowers you as well. Does that make sense? Yeah, that definitely does. And how, how do you tackle the, 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 literally the sticky stuff, the sweets, the, all of that, that, you know, the chocolate that is just at the fore of, I think, every supermarket, you cannot avoid it. How do you approach um, desserts and treats with your kids? We, um, we're, we're quite open about it. So, um, you know, he's, he's at the stage where, you know, we, we, I think with both of our kids, we had a rule that um, I want their first taste of chocolate to be their own chocolate cake at their first birthday party. Um, so before they were one, you know, obviously we didn't do anything like that. But after one, you know, I don't want them to be the kids that, that freak out at birthday parties and gorge themselves on things because they're not allowed anything else during the day. So it, it's everything's in moderation. So, um, you know, we have we make a lot of, you know, really healthy flapjacks um, that they eat whilst they're out because it gives them the energy and the power. But they'll also have treats. You know, Easter's coming up. They're going to have an Easter egg hunt in the garden and they're going to eat a little bit of chocolate. Um, but I, I think it, it, it's setting those boundaries. It's saying you can have a little bit of this or um, you can have this now. But after that, we need to do this. So, uh, again, it's 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 embracing it and making them realize, yes, it's lovely and, and it might make you feel good, but you know, you're gonna have this crash afterwards or you know, when you have the inevitable tantrum, it's afterwards saying, you know, that was because you, know, you had a lot of chocolate. Um, so I, I'm really not someone that's very, very strict. Again, food should be fun. Um, I want them to be able to, to try and eat everything, but realize that everything should be eaten in moderation too. I, I, I love that, that kind of approach. So you mentioned about you've touched on weaning you've mentioned about how you involve your children in you know the kind of picking and chopping of herbs which I think is amazing and I think my husband cannot wait for Phoenix to to be old enough to get involved in stuff like that because my husband is a wonderful cook I loathe cooking I love eating yeah I love eating but I'm just not a fan of being in the kitchen and what's your sort of best approach or kind of way to start what kind of advice would you give to us or, or the listeners who are coming to that major milestone how how would how did you guys approach weaning I think um it, it's important to so first of all I, I think weaning is an honor you know I, I think weaning introducing someone to lots of different foods is, is one of the best things you can do and it should be fun and it should be pleasurable um it will be messy um so so just accept it you know don't you know have don't use your best china and don't have, you know, wonderful heirlooms within baby's reach because it will all get covered in food. Um, but, but just kind of embrace that mess and, and see it again as it, it's an extra sensory experience to do with your baby. Um, and, and it's lovely, you know, just seeing their first little taste of, you know, avocado or sweet potato or anything like that. So I, I think those sort of steps, if you approach it as very much kind of a, a fun thing to do, it, it should be, you should do it kind of around, you know, um, when, when baby is feeling best, so kind of mid-morning or just after they've had their morning nap. Um, and you should, you know, get very, very close and just do it between you and them on the table. Um, and 
and and just just enjoy it really i i think in in terms of you know the the, the technicalities of weaning for us we, we very much started on um bitter vegetables first um as, as i'm sure you know a, a lot of people know breast milk and formula milk is is sweet so so baby already has a taste for sweet foods so to balance that out start on the bitter foods like you know blitzed up kale and spinach and courgette and carrots and, and all those sorts of stuff um which sounds really really boring and, and kind of a you know a pretty cheerless way to start weaning but it's really important to give that bitter taste first because if you just go straight kind of for more sweeter foods they're never going to eat the bitter foods so um you know we, we steamed a load of vegetables um get a little hand blender um blitz them all up and then freeze them in ice cube trays um so that you then have in your freezer 20 ice cube trays each of you know spinach and kale and, and courgette and aubergine and and all these lovely vegetables um and then start off you know giving kind of one little ice cube at a time but then you can start mixing them up as well so after you've done that for kind of a week you can mix and say let's have spinach and aubergine and let's see how that goes so after a couple of weeks of just introducing baby to puree um and after you've done kind of the you know the, the different allergy tests you know um, if you've read up about you know let's expose them a little bit to milk and to egg and to nuts and everything like that so after you've done all of those different steps that's going to take you about a month so from around seven eight months that's kind of when the fun starts because baby is baby can eat everything that you're eating um you know apart from apart from chili pepper apart from cayenne pepper apart from honey um and obviously any processed sugars um but baby can really eat everything you're eating so we would do some food as finger food um we'd make a load of you know muffins and, and batch cooked stuff for the freezer but more often than not especially because um i had an elder child as well um i would just blitz up whatever we were having for our, our dinner um and baby would eat that as well um and that's a really really good approach um because you're just introducing loads of different tastes and textures and herbs and spices for, from about eight months on so i think um be, be confident um after you've done all the tests and after you know that baby isn't allergic to anything um and you're feeling comf comfortable in yourself then there's really no reason to think you know i i can't give baby cumin or turmeric or oregano you know just really embrace all the different flavors and textures that there are out there um and and it, it's it's fun um so i i think i the main advice i'd give is you know just be confident and see it as, as a fun thing to do with you and baby. Yeah, I really like that. I am actually really excited about it. I'm excited to see, I guess, his particularly now going to be five months tomorrow. So we, we haven't started weaning, but, yeah. um, you know, I, you know, it is, it is on the horizon and I am excited to see him experience new tastes and flavors and stuff. And, and I think I, I am a little nervous around it only because my husband is such a good cook and I don't know how to literally prepare food. I, you know, it makes <laughs> it's just an additional layer of something that uh, I'll need to kind of learn. But as you said, that was an amazing thing I'd not really heard before of, of, of making these sort of purees and, and freezing them and then just, you know, I, I, can, I can do that. I can definitely yeah, do that. So yeah. again, another wonderful wonderful hack adam thank you um, but, but also I've there's also... there's um sorry i just want to say as well that there is also no need to spend hundreds and hundreds of pounds on equipment um yeah so in in, in terms of weaning you, you don't need you need a blender um and one that blends in small quantities and get some ice cube trays and some um 
you know you know the, the big whiskey ice cube trays as well where you make kind of big squares of ice yeah yeah get some, get some of those as well because then they, they make brilliant baby sized portions so if you're making you know a spaghetti bolognese for the family put mm. a few of those in those big ice cube trays and freeze them and you'll have a brilliant baby sized portion too perfect i love that um I, I'm going to, I actually, I'm going to buy your book because this is, really? you know, I think in terms of, you know, this is really, really exciting uh, time for, for us, you know, we're, we're, we're right in, in the thick of it. So if somebody did want to find you, your book, uh, your recipes, I know, you know, your website is, is full of so much stuff. Where do people go to find you? So uh, best, best place, first of all, is Instagram. I'm very, very responsible on that. So I am at, at dad's table. Um, my website is at dad's and, and the book, How to Grow Your Family, is um, on, you can buy it on all, all booksellers um, and on Amazon. Um, it's out in the US and Australia and Canada as well. So yeah, so everywhere. Amazing. We will, I'll definitely uh, send all the links, you know, including the links in, in the show notes. Are you, but you are going to take some time off. Are, are, are you with your, with your baby number three due in only a few days? Are you yes. able to do that? Yes, no, I, I'm going to take um, a couple of weeks. Um, I, I'm, I'm self-employed now, so this is my first uh, parental leave, self-employed. Um, so I'm going to take a couple of weeks off. Um, but it, it, it's hard, right? Because you, you don't know what baby you're going to get. So let's let's yeah. see, or if my wife needs a C-section, needs extra help, who knows? So yeah. I'm just going at yeah. it with, with an open mind at the moment, take a couple of weeks, but then we'll see what happens. Good. Well, Adam, thank you so much for your time today. Thank you for thank sharing you. all of these incredible um, nuggets of wisdom. And I'm sure there's just a ton more on your website and also in your book. So I will make sure that we signpost to those. Um, best of luck to you and your partner these next few days. Um, wishing you all the best. And again, thank you so much. Cool. Thank you so much for having me. Oh, you know, man, oh, you know, man, oh, you know, man.